The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. This morning we're going to continue a series that we began last week that we've entitled Shattered, Surviving in a Broken World. A moment ago as we were singing that song, Be Still and Know, my, my heart couldn't help but be drawn to the reality uh, that we do live in a broken world. Um, uh, ben, who was leading worship here this morning uh, from right here uh, on Thursday, uh, his father passed away, uh, kind of ended a battle with cancer. And, and even just to watch him as he's leading the rest of us in worship and just literally hours ago uh, had to say goodbye to his father and yet to have that stillness in his heart uh, to be able to lead the rest of us. And when those words, as we were singing a moment ago, you know, we'll be safely home, uh, just means so so much in that context. And uh, the truth is, even in a broken world, even in a world where there is disease, where there is trial and there is death, there can be peace. There can be stillness of soul. And that's what we're talking about and that's what we want to seek to unpack over the next several weeks. Gospel of John, chapter number 16, verse 33. Uh, inside your service program uh, that you should have received when you came in the back doors, you'll find an outline that you can use to follow along through the message here this morning. I do help, hope it'll be a help to you as we study the Word of God together here today. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand out of respect for God's Word here as we take the opportunity to read from John, chapter number 16. We're going to go to part two of the sermon we began last week, and so I'll do a brief review in a moment for those of you who weren't here, but we're going to use our same text as last week as our launch pad this morning. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter number 16 and verse number 33, These things I have spoken unto you. All right? Those of you who have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll notice that these words are in red, meaning that literally Jesus Christ spoke them physically to his disciples. The Bible says, These things I have spoken unto you. That, here's our key phrase, in me. We're going to come back to that again and again and again over the next several weeks. In me, ye might. Have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This morning we're going to continue our thought as we're speaking on the subject of shattered, surviving in a broken world. What does that look like? Uh, how does that manifest itself through our lives and, and, and through our countenance as believers? And that's what we're going to seek to unpack a little bit this morning. Before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer and ask that the Spirit of God will continue to meet with us here today. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you in song. To be reminded, Lord, that it is in Christ alone that our hope is found. That it is not in our good works. That it is not in our church membership. That it is not in our morality. Lord, it is in nothing that we can conjure up in and of ourselves. But Lord, our hope is found deeply rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And because of that, we can be still and know that you're God in the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulties. You can bring peace. You can bring quietness. Lord, you can bring stillness to our soul. 
in the midst of troublesome surroundings. God, I'm praying right now that for that person who's in this room. And maybe they're going through a health issue. There might be somebody else right now, Lord, and they're going through a relational issue. Maybe with a spouse or a child. I pray that you would use your word this morning to literally fill their soul with peace in the midst of these circumstances. Lord, and whether the trial, the pain, the difficulties be financial in nature or physical in nature, that, Lord, we would walk out of this building with a stillness of soul, with a a peace of heart, because we know that you are in control. I pray that you would bless this morning in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Uh, last night, my nephew uh, stayed the night at our house. Uh, my brother and uh, sister-in-law were getting some things together, and so it got so late, he just ended up sleeping at our house. And, and Jackson is two years old and one of the funniest kids I've ever met in my life. I just love talking to Jackson. Some of you who know who he is, runs around the nursery, just just real talkative, outgoing type of a guy. And uh, usually he's just so bubbly and so outgoing and, and just talking this and that. And this morning, very early... Uh, I might add, Brian, uh, he came into my room very somber. I mean, just he was really serious. And he looked at me. He said, Pastor. That's what he calls me. He calls me Pastor. Sometimes he calls me Uncle Pastor. He said, Pastor, my dad is dead. I said, what did you say? Jenny was right there with me. He said, my dad is dead. <laughs> I don't know if he had assumed that he was staying at our house, that that just meant, hey, dad's gone, mom's gone, must be dead. <laughs> but he's dead, and, 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 uh, you know, and I didn't really know because of the way he was saying it. I didn't know if it was a question or a premonition. And uh, so, I take a moment. Praise the Lord, Daniel's with us here today, and um, we're thankful for it. Well, Jackson was going through a little trial. It was a little difficulty, but it was totally in his head. <laughs> He had, made the, he had made it up. It was his imagination. Making something bigger. <laughs> the fact that his parents had let him stay at our house for the evening blew that little trial up to something that was much, much bigger to the point that his father now had passed away and gone to glory. <laughs> the, the reality is, if, if we were to be very, very honest with one another, let's just, you know, pull down the facades. Let's just get real one with another here today. The, the truth is, we've all done that before, haven't we? Taking something that was somewhat small in nature, something that was little, and all of a sudden, before we know it, we've just, it's, it's just become this huge thing. And our imagination gets running, and our mind gets going, and we're going down thinking this, and thinking that, and thinking those things. And before we know it, it man, it's, somebody wants to know, man, did somebody die? I mean, the look on your face, that's basically what we're, what we're getting by what, what's going on here. And then they tell you what it actually is, and a little let down. I think if we were to be honest... All of us have, have been there before. Kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. But what I want to say to you today is this. Whether what you're dealing with is a molehill, or you truly are experiencing a mountain of grief, like Brother Ben here this morning as now he's sitting in church for the first time without a father. 
Or if you're on the other spectrum and you're like Jackson in the nursery who for a moment thought he was without a father. Wherever you find yourself metaphorically on that, you know, diameter of, of trial and pain and difficulty, I want to say to you today that Christ is there for you in that moment. A Christ, a God of all comfort, a God of all peace, a God who has the ability to calm your spirit and calm your soul in the midst of the most horrific difficulties, pains, and trials, you can be still and know that He is God. Last week, we made a couple of observations from this passage. We saw, first of all, that in our lives, there will be pain. Notice in verse number 33, Jesus says, In this world, ye shall have tribulation. Jesus says, hey, I know you're a believer, you're a child of God, but don't you get into this thinking that leads you to believe that you're not going to experience any pain. He says, if you're in this world, if if you're made of flesh and blood, you're going to go through trials, you're going to go through difficulties, you're going to go through hard times. And he says, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Uh, Can I just say this? If you're flipping the channels on a television and you come across some preacher who's trying to convince you that if you just live good enough, or if you just do enough of this or give enough money there that eventually all your trials and all your pains and all your difficulties will go away. And they're trying to convince you of that. I want to say to you today, they're selling you spiritual snake oil. The Bible is very clear. Jesus in his own mouth promises to his believers, to his people, in this world, trials will happen. Troubles will happen. Tribulation will happen. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. Now, we did caveat that statement last week by saying there is, it is possible to minimize our troubles as we allow the grace of God and the strength of God to, to live itself out through us. We can minimize through the laws of sowing and reaping. But if you come to a conclusion and your theology of pain and trouble leads you to believe that it is possible to eliminate it completely, you have a false theology of pain and trouble. And not one that is consistent with the scripture's teachings. For Jesus himself in his own words tells us in our lives there will be pain. But notice the end of this verse. I love this. That in me, in me. You see it's one thing for Christ to be in you. When you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and place your faith and trust in him and him alone, he is in you. But as you abide in him, as you spend time in his presence, as you come to a place where you're abiding in his word, abiding in his presence, when you are in him, he says you can be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And when I'm living my life out through you, you can overcome as well. And when I'm living my life out through you, you can overcome the pain. When, when I'm living my life out through you, you can overcome the troubles. When I'm living my life out through you, Jesus says, you can overcome the difficulties of life. Which led us to our second thought yes, uh, last week, and that was simply this. In our pain, there will be grace. You see, in our lives, there will be pain. But because of Jesus Christ, in our pain, there will be grace. There will be. God promises that we can overcome. Now, it can be difficult at times to distinguish 
whether the grace of God, the strength of God, is really working itself out through our hearts and lives. I mean, honestly, how, how, do, we, how do we know? How do we know if we're experiencing God's strength? How do we know if we're experiencing His grace? How do we know if we're experiencing His power? One of the best ways that reveals whether or not we are experiencing the grace of God in us and the grace of God through us is through trials. God uses pain to reveal to us whether or not we truly are experiencing the grace of God. You see, when everything's going super duper dandy and life's perfect and and the kids are behaving and the marriage just is perfect and finances, no bills and everything's just, just sailing right along. It's really hard to know whether or not you're appropriating the grace of God because life's just going good and, and you might be, but you might not be. And it's hard to know. And one of the things that God uses to reveal to us whether or not we're appropriating his grace and appropriating his strength is he allows us to go through seasons of trials, moments of pain, because it's in those moments of pain that we get a crystal clear picture of what's truly driving us. You see, a tea bag always has tea inside of it. It's not until it gets dipped in the hot water, though, that it's exposed. You see, in much the same way, trials, troubles, and pains don't create who we are. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I was just having a bad day. (laughs) Hell, it was just a little bit rough, and the boss was being a little bit this, and he was being a little bit that. No, see, those pains, those troubles, that hot water doesn't create what came out of you. It simply exposes it. And so one of the reasons God allows pains and he allows trials and he allows difficulties because in those moments that you don't like (laughs) reveals what you really are. You know what it does to me? I go through those moments. I I feel like, man, Christ is living through me. God's grace is working in my heart. His strength is working through my life. Everything's going well. And then all of a sudden he'll drop a bomb. And I'll respond horribly. Awful. And I want to convince myself I'm just having a bad day. But you know what's really happening? God's using that to show me who I really am. And that, my friend, is scary. Because it's in those moments that I get a glimpse of the real Josh Ermler. It's in my moments of weakness. It's in my moments of stress. It's in my moments of trials that I get a glimpse of whether or not the grace of God is truly being appropriated. Because when life's going good, it's easy to fake it. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to wonder, man, is God's strength, God's work working through me? And God uses those trials to reveal, to show us if he is truly the one living his life through us. Trials and pain are great indicators of whether or not the grace of God is working or if we're just a Christian who's just trying to do it on our own. That's why I love watching Christians going through pain. And I, I hope you don't take this wrong, Brother Ben. But during this season, I've been watching you. Because it's in moments like these, I'm going to get a glimpse into who he really is. And when somebody goes through something that's not their way and it's not the way they would like, or it's 
difficult or even extreme as something like this. And I, there's a place for sorrow. We, we preached in incredible messages. We've, we've gone through and taught through the scriptures on how to grieve. And we're not talking about not grieving. That's not the point of this. But that there's a stillness of soul. There's still a peace in the midst of that difficulty. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to behold to see a believer going through a difficult season with authentic grace. A beautiful thing. Uh, to see Lori, see Kimra, as they go through these seasons, these health trials, and yet God's grace just working through their lives. That, that's, that's where you know. You, you, don't, you don't... See, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We're very, very, very good at self-deception. But it's the trials, the pain and the troubles that reveal not to those around us, but to our own selves who we really are. Is the grace of strength of God truly working and fleshing itself through us? When things go bad... And you're going through a trial, sometimes, especially if the trial is brought on by another individual, a spouse, somebody in your extended family, somebody you're trying to reach out and help. Oftentimes when the trial is brought on by being in this broken world with broken people, one of the easiest ways to respond, one of the most natural things to do when we're going through a trial that is brought on by a relationship, the first thing we tend to do is we look for someone to blame. We want to know who's at fault. And one of the key indicators of someone who is not experiencing and appropriating the grace of God and somebody who's not experiencing the strength of God, they've just kind of been doing the Christian life thing in their own strength and in their own power. One of the, one of the indicators, one of the ways of insights and discernment to see through that is when somebody hurts them, when somebody does something against them that is not right, and their knee-jerk reaction is to start blaming, start gossiping, sharp with their tongue. Just like a tea bag that gets put into hot water, that hot water didn't create that tea. It simply exposed what was already there. Can I say in much the same way, it's an indicator of what's truly down in our hearts. Here's what Philippians chapter number four, verse six says. How are we to respond? What does it look like when Christ's grace, when his strength is fleshing itself through us in our pain and in our difficulties? When somebody has hurt us, when somebody's done us wrong, the Bible says be careful for nothing. That word careful in the old English literally means be worried or anxious. Be worried. Don't be worried about anything. But in, here's the word, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. When the grace of God is truly working in your heart, when the strength of God is living out through your life in the midst of your pain and in the midst of your difficulties, one of the things that Christ does in the middle of our pain is he leads us to a spirit of prayer rather than a spirit of blaming. Rather than looking to point fingers and rather looking at who to blame or who to, who to attack or who to gossip against. See, when the grace of God is working, it's not about the blame. It's not about the finger pointing. It's all about, I need to go to prayer for this person. I need to go to prayer for that person. I need to couple together with God's people because we need to go to a season of supplication and go to a season of prayer. Can I say this? If, if you're a parent... And your children hear you gossiping against your boss 
and griping against him and complaining against him and blaming him for this and blame more than they hear you praying for him, it might be a sign that the grace of God still has more work to do. Oh, that we would teach our children. Oh, that, the, that we would surrender to Christ and allow Christ to live out his life through us in the midst of our pain. That when somebody does us wrong, when somebody crosses us, that we would respond like Jesus responded on the cross. Father, see what he, see what he did? He took it to God. He didn't look down and curse the names of the soldiers there on the cross. The first thing he did was call out to his father. And I say this, one of the indicators of a life that is just overflowing with God's grace is rather, rather than the knee-jerk reaction of the gospel, rather than the knee-jerk reaction of the blame, rather than the knee-jerk reaction of complaint, the knee-jerk reaction of somebody who where Christ is living out his life through them, his grace is being appropriated, there's human beings surrendering to what God wants to do through them. Knee-jerk reaction, here's an indicator of it. There's a spirit that moves them very quickly to prayer. It's an indication of God's grace. Can I ask you this? What does trials and hot water tell you about your heart? See, for us, what it should do is when we find that we're not responding with a spirit of prayer... When the first thing we want to do is blame. When the first thing we want to do is complain. When the first thing we start doing is gossiping, you know. Somebody at the church does something and, and all your, your, your children overhear you talking bad about that person. That's not helping your home. So I just got to get it off my chest. They'll understand. You're sabotaging what God wants to cultivate. See, the grace of God leads us to call out to our Father. Rather than venting on Facebook. Getting on the phone and complaining. The grace of God leads us first to a spirit of prayer. It's an indicator that God's grace is working. See, we, it's hard to know if God's grace is working when everything's going good. It might be. We might be appropriating God's grace. We might be surrendering to his will in that situation. But it's just hard. It's hard to reveal. Sometimes in those moments, we can even deceive ourselves. Things are going so good. We're, we're convinced that, man, everything's going well. I'm appropriating the grace of God. I'm living, living Christ. I'm surrendering to let Christ live through me daily, moment by moment. I, and you're just, you're convinced of this. All of a sudden, something bad happens. And oftentimes, those are great moments to really look and to allow your heart to be exposed through that hot water. Somebody once said, don't just pray away your problems. Pray through them as well. It was Ivan, I'm going to pronounce this name, but Denisovich. He was imprisoned in a Soviet prison camp and he was a godly man. And Ivan had a love for the Lord. And when he was taken to that Soviet prison camp, on one occasion, he, he literally dropped to his knees and began to pray. Because he had been trained as the grace of God had worked in him. That that was our first response. That we, rather than taking to a spirit of complaining. And rather than taking to a spirit of gossiping. But rather take those words to God. And bring them before him there in that Soviet prison camp. He went to his knees in prayer. And another, another prisoner walked by him and kind of mockingly 
almost in a, in a scoffing type of way, looked at Ivan and he said, he said, he said, he said, why are you, why are you praying that God will get us out of this place? Don't you realize God ain't going to get us out of here? To which Ivan responded, I do not pray to get out of this prison. I pray for the grace to do the will of God within this prison. He recognized in the providence of sovereignty of God that at any moment God wanted him out, he'd be out. Whatever God had allowed him to be there in that moment, he was surrendering his heart to do the will of the Father in that moment. Don't just pray away your problems. Pray through them as well. Another thing that we'll often do, it's natural for us as we're going through hot water seasons of our lives, is to become irritated and frustrated. You say, how do you know this, Pastor? How do you know these are the way people respond? Because this is how I respond. <laughs> when I'm walking in the flesh and I'm not appropriating the grace of God and I'm not surrendering to His Spirit, this is how your pastor responds naturally. And your pastor desperately needs the grace of God in those seasons. And oftentimes I will respond with a spirit of frustration, with a spirit of irritation. And in those moments, my heart's smitten because it dawns on me oh, I need God's grace right now. This, this reaction that I'm having, yeah, that person might not be right, and this situation m- might not be right. But my reaction is showing me that my heart's not right either. And it becomes a trigger that reminds me of how much I need God's grace afresh and anew. When I get frustrated, and my spirit gets irritated. It reminds me, Josh, you need God's grace. And if you're like me, no, well, I'll get God's grace as soon as that person does. I'll appropriate the grace as soon as the situation, you know. And God says, no. When I'm living my life out through you, I've got something better. Philippians chapter number four, verse seven says this. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mine through Christ Jesus. You see, when Christ is living out his life through us, when we're surrendering to his will, he literally changes us from the inside out. He doesn't just get us to a place where, well, I guess by discipline, we can hold it in. No, he transforms our heart. He makes it to where we're just not frustrated anymore. Do you realize God can do that to my heart? He can do that to your heart. He can, he doesn't just change your behavior. He changes the very core of who you are. He takes you from a moment of being frustrated and irritated and he takes your heart of stone and the Bible says makes it to a heart of clay. And what used to frustrate you and what used to irritate you and what used to bother you, guess what? When the grace of God is at work, it doesn't anymore. Because God is not just in the business of behavioral modification. He is in the business of changing the core and essence of who you are. To revolutionize you from the inside out. And he says, the peace of God which passeth 
all understanding. Here's what this verse is saying. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of Scripture, is saying, the peace that Christ has to offer, it's so crazy, it's so overwhelming, that when people look at you, they're going to think you're crazy. It doesn't make sense. It passes understanding. The peace that believers have access to, the serenity that Christians have access to, is so incredible that your coworkers should be able to look at you and say, that doesn't even make any sense. You have every right to be frustrated. You have every right to be irritated. Why are you so calm? Why does your soul seem to be at such rest? Because you have access to the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And when you don't see that indicated in your life, there's grace and God loves you still. But it should be a reminder to you that there's more grace for you to appropriate. There's still work that needs to be done in your heart. Well, you say, I'll I'll let God deal with my heart later. We got to deal with this person's heart right now. (laughs) No. When you get frustrated and irritated, May that be a trigger in your psyche that reminds you that you need desperately the grace of God. And before you start pointing fingers and blaming, get irritated and frustrated, allow those emotions to remind you that God still got some work to do right here. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And let the frustration and the irritation remind you that you need God's grace. Somebody once said, when we put our problems in God's hands, he puts his peace in our hearts. I love that. When we turn in a spirit of prayer, rather than blaming and complaining and griping and finger pointing, when we rather just take it to the Father and we give it to Him, when we take the problem and put it in His ball court, He then takes His peace and puts it in our hearts. Sometimes we can get complaining and whiny. Sometimes, if you're like me, you get frustrated and irritated. And it should be a reminder, I need God's grace so desperately. As much as that person may need it, as much as this situation may need something, I need something as well. If you're like me, and things start getting really bad, especially if it's for long periods of time, there, I think about some of you, and, and, and you guys, you're experiencing trials that it's not like it just was a day or a week or even a month. I'm, I'm looking out, I say Della right now, and just, I mean, literally month after month and year after year, just as you're going through this thing with MS. And my heart goes out to her and I pray for her, pray for their family. And as you're going through these long seasons of trials, it's easy to begin to get tempted to quit. And that looks very different to different people. You ever been there before? You thought, God, I, I, I can do this for a little while. I, I know I can. And God, I can, I can push through a little bit longer. I, I know I can. But some of you, you're at, you're at a point and you've been pushing for years on some of these things. Some of it's relational. Some of it's psychological. Some of it's emotional, oftentimes spiritual financial. 
And it just seems like year after year after year. And you, you were doing all right for a while. As time goes on, it gets more and more difficult. And there's a temptation to quit. And sometimes I mean I'm quitting on my family. I'm quitting on marriage. I, and if we're, sometimes it's, I'm, gonna just, I'm quitting on God. What I, I, I thought I was signing up for something better than this. I thought God was going to make my life happy. I, I thought my life was just going to be a walk in the park. I thought, I thought. And God says, be still. Because oftentimes when trials linger, longer than we would have designed, the temptation is to quit. But when Christ is living out his life through us on a daily basis and we're surrendering as we lean into his presence and we abide with him and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. As we allow Christ to live his life through us, here's what it looks like. Second Timothy chapter number two, verse three. This is what it looks like when Jesus is working through us. It says we can therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. One of the marks, one of the indications of a life that is experiencing the grace of God and regularly surrendering to His strength and His power, leaning into His presence, abiding with Him, allowing Him to feed and nourish your soul. One of the marks of that is there is a spirit of perseverance. A spirit of perseverance rather than a decision to quit. One of the reasons I know that Lori Safford is experiencing the grace of God is for a decade plus as she has been going through this trial, the grace of God has given her the strength to not quit on her family, to not quit on her marriage, to not quit on her church, and most importantly, not quit on her God. It's it's an indication of God's grace working in and through See, when the grace of God is working, there are indications of it. There are fruits. There are effects. When we're leaning into God's presence and we're allowing His strength to drive, there's a spirit of prayer rather than a spirit of blaming. There's a spirit of peace rather than a spirit of frustration. There's a spirit of perseverance rather than a decision to quit. So often, we want to escape suffering. While God wants to give us the grace to endure it. See, many of us, we signed up for a Christianity that would get us out of all of our problems. That's what we thought we were signing up for. I want a Christian, I want a God that gets me out of all my problems. And when that doesn't happen, we escape it the only way we know how. We just quit. That takes on many different forms and many different manifestations. But when the Spirit of Christ is working, one of the indications of God's grace at work is a spirit of perseverance. Can I say this? If you are sick and tired of starting over, you got to stop quitting. God's grace can give you the strength to persevere in the midst of your trial. I can't. This church can't. God may use us in seasons as conduits of his grace. In seasons, he might use my preaching as a conduit of some grace. 
but I cannot be your Messiah. We cannot be your Messiah. You already have one and his name is Jesus. Run to him. Well, I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. Praise God, you've got Jesus. Oh, I just, I, I, man, I just can't help but think about what that person did to me and what they did to us. It's all right. You could take that to Jesus. You've got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He can bring a spirit of comfort where all of us will fail you. He is able. And when we surrender to God's spirit and we lean into his presence, Christ wants to live his life through us. See, a lot of people get the idea, well, I got to change my life. No, you can't change your life. I'm going to say this again. You can't change your life. It's not about a changed life. It's about an exchanged life. You die to your life and allow Christ to live his life through you. Surrender to his will, to his purposes, to his plan. And watch him take your problems and replace it with peace. Watch him take your weaknesses and exchange it with his strength. Watch him take your frustrations and replace it with his serenity. Some of you have spent decades trying to change. I hate to tell you, it's futile. It's not a change life we need and it's, it's an exchange life. His life doing through my body what I can't do in myself. Jesus doesn't really want a better version of you. He doesn't want to make you better. He's come to make you new, different. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's not about a better version of who you used to be. It's new. And when we lean into his presence and we abide in his strength, the exchange life does what the change life could never accomplish. There is a spirit of perseverance when the grace of Christ is manifesting itself through our lives. What's it look like when God's grace is at work? How do we know? What are the fruits of that? What are the indications? What are the effects? Here, when we feel like quitting, he gives us the grace to endure. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find myself complaining. I'm so ashamed of myself sometimes. Something will happen. First thing I catch myself doing, I complain. It's like a trigger in my mind that reminds me I need God's grace right here, right now. But before the situation needs to change, I need to change. And oftentimes, until we're surrendered to allow God to change us, he rarely changes the situation. Oftentimes, we do surrender, he changes us, and then honestly, we don't care whether he changes the situation or not because his peace replaces our problem. There's a whole different paradigm. This is what we call a Christian worldview. 
We're not just talking about, come on, do it better. I'm not your cheerleader trying to make you do one more week. You can do it, guys. Come on. It's not my job. My job is to tell you, you can't. Jesus can. Let him do through you what you can't do. It's not just a different thing. It's a trans... Literally, we're talking about a revolutionary thing. You need a Christian worldview. You need a perspective that is so saturated, influenced by this book, where you have given up all hopes that you can change. I can't. You can't. We can't. Let's give up the illusion, the delusion that we can. He, he alone can do what we cannot do. It's not about more changing, but more exchanging. And when I complain, it reminds me that I have work that needs to be done on me. And when I'm complaining and I find myself griping, it reminds me I need God's grace. Here's what 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 18 says. In everything give thanks. I want you to think about this for just a moment. What can you not give thanks for? Or I should say it this way. What can you not give thanks in? In everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. Now, I want, to be very, I want you to see this very carefully. It does not say, for everything, give thanks. There is a difference. And you need to understand this. There are some things in your life you cannot give thanks for. I understand that. There are some very terrible things that maybe somebody did to you that you cannot give thanks for that. But here's what, that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not saying for everything, give thanks. It's saying in everything. That means you may be going through the worst trial of your life and you may be going through the shadow of the valley of death, as Psalms chapter number 23 says. And God says, even in that moment, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even with those coworkers that are driving you nuts and that marriage that doesn't seem to be coming together the the way you thought it would be and the finances don't seem to kind of match the way you had hoped and even prayed that they would. God says, even in the midst of that, in that, that moment have a spirit of thanks have a spirit of praise have a spirit of thanksgiving you can praise him which leads us here to our last indication how do we know when God's grace is working there is a spirit of praise rather than a spirit of complaining one of the marks of somebody who is losing God's grace in their life is their complaining becomes more than their prayers They've stopped to appropriate God's grace in their life. They've stopped communing with Christ like they once did. And complaining begins to outweigh. (laughs) Here, just that spirit of praise. In everything, give thanks. Your children, your grandchildren, my children, they need to see some godly people who can look for things to praise God about even when they know we're in the midst of a difficult season. I know you can't praise God for everything, but in everything, there's something to praise God for. You've heard the, the old little story about the guy who really struggled with praising God because he didn't have any shoes. It was cold. It was uncomfortable. And he just struggled with praising God. He lived in a third world country that was no shoes until one day he saw a man with no feet perspective in every situation there's something you can praise God in that situation for and one of the marks of a life that is appropriating the grace of God 
that isn't just going through the little, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk of the Christian life. And we're going to church and doing the dot in our eyes and crossing our T's. And yeah, we got this thing down. One of the, here, here's, here are real indications of a Christian. And I know a lot of us, if we're not careful, we get, we get all these pseudo things. No, this is what makes us Christian. This is, and they're like insignificant peripheral things that have nothing to do with anything. But because they're so in our mind, big things, it's like, ah, you know, this is what me. Here's what me, being a Christian means. It means being, having a heart that's been transformed by the power of Christ. Being a new creature from the inside out. And I know that'll affect some things on the outward. But if you, if you find that it's easier to complain, then you find yourself to praise and to thank God. It needs to be a sign. It needs to be a trigger in your psyche, in your, in your mind, what needs to be going on. How do I know if I'm appropriating God's grace? How do I know if the Spirit of God is working through me? How do I know if God's will is li- being lived out through my life? There is a spirit of prayer rather than a spirit of blaming. Toward a boss, toward a coworker. There's a spirit of prayer. We're constantly taking this thing to prayer. Have you prayed about this thing very much, folks? Whatever it is you're going through. This is, we're, just, we're trying to identify whether or not we're going through it with grace. I'm trying to help us because we're self-deceived so often. These are indicators. Of whether or not it's God's grace that's bringing us through it. Or if it's just we're just trying to kind of, you know, will our way through it. Is there a spirit of prayer? Is there a spirit of peace rather than a spirit of frustration? It's a good indicator. You find yourself all frustrated about the matter and all irritated about the matter. You're probably not going through it with grace. Just, just probably not. Because God gives a spirit of peace. And when it is irritating and it is frustrating, let that be a sign to you that God still needs to do some work on you. He still needs to do some work on me. And rather than looking outward, look upward and say, God, do inward what I've never been able to do. There's a spirit of perseverance rather than a decision to quit. And there is a spirit of praise rather than a spirit of complaining. Lord, whether prosperity smile or adversity frown, Let your praise be ever in my mouth. As we said last week, don't resent your trial. Relinquish it to Christ. Give it to him. Take it to him. Lay it at his feet. There is life beyond your pain. We said it last week and I'll close with this. While our problems, while problems are inevitable, we'll all face them. Misery is optional. It's optional. While problems are inevitable, misery is optional. And by God's grace, you can appropriate his strength to do through you what you've never been able to do on your own. Can I ask you this? Are you accessing God's grace? Are you leaning into his presence? Do you abide with him? See, Christ can only live through you when you're abiding in him. John chapter number 15. When you abide in me and my words abide in you. As we lean into his presence. And when his grace does a work, praise God. 
And when we fail, there's mercy for that. And there should be a reminder, God, I failed. But God, you have something better for me. You're giving me your strength through your grace to transcend this trial. To overcome where some have said there can be no overcoming. And God says in John 16, because I have overcome, you can overcome. Because I am in you and you in me. There is a life beyond your pain. And it might not be beyond your circumstances. It might be a great life within the circumstances that you currently have. My friend, things don't have to be perfect to be beautiful. God can do a beautiful work even in the midst of our pain. Shall we take some time just to be still? You say, why do we be still? Not just to get quiet. We be still so we can focus and know that he is God. That's why we're still. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father.